Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton, the host of Returning to Eden, and we are certainly looking forward to uh, you joining us this evening. And I have some really, really exciting news. My co-host, Dina Dye, Dr. Dye, is back. And uh, I'm the men still, but she is here. Hi, Dina. Hi. She lives, yes. <laughs> I have not disappeared off the planet yet. So uh, certainly. I feel certainly. like I've been gone forever because it's been a month. Well, yeah, a lot of people out here praying for you. I've gotten a lot of emails and uh, talked to several people, and I know that there's a few folks out there that really missed having you there with us yeah. for the last month. It's been a month. It's since been, you've been a month. Here. Can you believe it? Well, I yeah. Really how are you feeling? Um, I'm, you know, compared to what I was, uh, you know, I'd give myself a million percent better. Um, there were days there where you barely scraped me off the floor. But, uh, you know, we're doing good. The, the sickness is out of our house. We had to scrub everything down, Lysol everything, you know, quarantine. My husband, because he got pink eye, it was, we were in pretty bad shape. But uh, we're, we're good. And so you, uh, you went to Ireland and you had a good time. Tell us a little bit about your trip. Sure. You know, and what was so hard is because I got sick the last day and then flew home sicker than sick. By the time I got home, you know, I was in bad shape. So for two and a half weeks, I'm flat on my back, and I'm like, did I actually go there? I could hardly remember my trip. <laughs> so I've had to sort of go, okay, you know, back up here now that you're feeling better. But it, it, was, uh, it was a great trip. Um, it's two weeks. I was with my mom and my sister. And it was uh, basically it was a, a bus tour. So we got a good flavor of the whole country. Uh, the tour took us really entire circle all the way around from starting in Dublin and we came back to Dublin. Um, there's not a lot in the middle of the country, mostly pig farms and horse farms, etc. So they, they really focused in on you know, where all the history and the geography and the you know, mystical side of Ireland is. And I, I it, it's just a fascinating country. I, you know, I was just sort of looking forward to going to a place that was really green because <laughs> I live in a place that's really brown. Mm -hmm. And it was 102 here and it was 58 there. So I thought, you know, this will be really nice. But I learned so much. Um, and the, the people there are just lovely, the, just the loveliest, kindest, friendliest people. It was so refreshing. And, you know, part of it, you have to admit, I mean, they are one culture, one language, one history. And that makes a difference. Yes, there are other cultures there. You know, you'd, you'd see a guy who's working in a restaurant. He's from Slovakia or something, you know. And you're like, what are you doing here? Well, I'm learning English and I'm, you know, <laughs> in a restaurant. And, uh, and so we did meet people from all over the world. But, but generally, they've held their culture together. And to me... That speaks volumes, and I, would, I actually would say that to people. You know, don't let that go. Yes, you can bring in people, but don't lose, you know, the culture that you have. And, uh, I, you know, we covered a lot of ground in two weeks, and, I mean, I can go into some of the, um, the places, what I found interesting, you know, over some of the other Well, we had pictures of you. Uh, yep. You had a couple of new hairdos over there in the wind. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that like, was... Uh, so, what's that? You went to a couple of castles? Tell us about that. Well, yeah, there, of course, there's castles everywhere. Uh, some of them have turned into abbeys, 
there was one in particular in Catamara, which is on the west coast, called Kylemore Abbey, which was once a uh, the home, a guy built a home for his lovely wife, etc. But man, it was in the most beautiful place I have ever seen in my life. I'm going, yeah, just leave me right here. Um, just this giant castle nestled in on this lake against the mountains, and they had you know, all these acreage, grounds, beautiful botanical gardens. I mean, it's just so that at one point, you know, it was, it was an abbey and uh, seemed like the monks got the best parts of Ireland. <laughs> everywhere we well, did you go into these these castles? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. what was They're it all like open. going into these ancient buildings? I mean, there were... Well, some you know, of them are, you know, old and funky. Um, some of them, of course, are the further tourists, so they're fixed up like... Uh, uh, Donegar uh, Castle. We went and had a meal in there, so that that was kind of interesting. There, you know, there were some that you you sure wouldn't want to live in there. That's you know, that's for sure. Um, but you know, the, there's they're everywhere around the country. So um, of course we went to Killarney, uh, the Blarney Stone. I did not go up there. So what you've got. You had the you know the the narrow stairwell, round and round, barely can take a step. The line is out the door, and everybody is going up to the roof of this thing. And there's this stone here, a long story, but basically if you kiss this thing, you're supposed to get the gift of the gab. Well, you can't just bend down and kiss it. You have to bend down backwards and stick your head up and kiss this thing. And I'm going, I ain't going there unless I got Lysol or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> so all it took... I mean, people were just waiting around <laughs> having a picture. I, I just stayed down below the oh, beautiful funny. gardens and watched these people do that. So that, you know, that castle was, was interesting. <laughs> well, you were... I, but I, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I looked for interesting things. You know, of course, the, we had an excellent tour guide and, you know, explained everything. But I was always... I had my radar up for just sort of random interesting things that other people didn't even pay any attention to. So one of the most interesting things for me, and I posted it on my, uh, on my Facebook, was when we were in Belfast. And um, Chaim Herzog, who was the president of Israel uh, from like 1983 to 93, was born there in North Belfast. And I was just like, what? He was born there in 1918. His father was the chief rabbi of Ireland. This Jewish guy, the chief rabbi of Ireland, and then Chaim ends up emigrating to Israel and becomes the president of Israel. So that I found that just fascinating. Uh, well, you they, know, that was so random. Of, they had a lot of Jews in uh, in Ireland yeah. years ago. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of interesting. How? What yeah. kind of Jewish history? Yeah, I looked there, for there. the Jewish history. So uh, one of the towns in sort of the middle of Ireland called Ballymore, they, uh, back in the 1300s, these, uh, I think there three or four scribes got together and wrote this, it's called the Book of Ballymore. And in it, one of the sections in it is the entire history of the Jewish people. And the very first page of this book is a picture of Noah's Ark. Like, you're like, hmm. wow, that's just so random. So I, you know, I, I just kind of picked out uh, things like that that I thought I thought were kind of fascinating. Um, one of the interesting things, of course, 
so the the eastern side of the island is is lush farmland. I mean, you could grow anything there. And of course, when the the British, well, under Henry VIII, when the British conquered, they took all that land. Even going back to the time of William the Conqueror came over eventually, and they took all that land and forced the Irish to the west side, where you can't grow anything. I mean. It's that wild, rugged, you know, Atlantic coast. Rocky, cold, blistery wind. Yeah, I mean, the the mountains there. You can't grow a thing. But the the one thing they do have are these things called bogs. They're everywhere. Right. Especially on the the west side. And uh, they they cut the top layer of it. They call it peat. And they cut this layer with this double-sided spade. And then they've got to dry it out. I think it takes seven to ten days or whatever. And then it turns into what they call turf. We kind of call it sod, but it doesn't look like sod that we have here that's very grassy. And they use it to heat their homes. So everyone in the West, they don't have access to you know central heating and all that. They, they have been for a thousand years heating their homes with this, this turf, this, uh, uh, these hunks of blocks of turf. They heat their homes with that. So that so was like pretty a, interesting. Like a fireplace? Yeah, yeah, you would have a you would have a fireplace, and you would just throw that the 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 peat the, the the turf in it, and that's how you would heat the house. And it takes like centuries for this stuff to grow in the bog, so you can imagine. But there's these bog farms that are all over the western side of, of the island. Now, what was interesting in uh, one of the bogs, I can't remember what year, but they found like preserved in the bog like this guy. Uh, called o, uh, Old Crowman, uh, C-R-O-G-H-A-N. It's like a guttural sound, Crowman Man. They found him in the bog, and he was like six and a half feet tall, huge guy. You know, They figured out he was pretty wealthy, maybe dressed to kill, I don't know. But they, he was dated, and I, I posted this on my webpage, he was it's dated a- from between uh, 323 B.C. and 175, and I, I said... Think about it. 323 BCE is Alexander the Great dies, mm-hmm. and 175 BCE is, is when the Maccabees come to power. Yep. And then they find this guy. Yep. Yeah, they find this guy in the bog, you know, well preserved. They, they did find some other people as well. The uh, Krogan man didn't have a head, uh, but some of the other ones did. So that yeah. was. Uh, I saw the picture the, uh, posted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was in the um, the museum in Dublin, so that was that was pretty interesting. What? Um, you know, what else do you want to know? <laughs> well, you had your ninety-year-old mother and your sister, yeah. and then you all say goodbye, and you make your way home by yourself, sick. Tell tell the people that have been praying about you <laughs> what actually happened. Well, all was well until the day before I left. Uh, there was a woman on the bus who had some upper respiratory thing and, you know, being on a bus, I, I was doing my thieves, you know, and all my essential oil stuff. Uh, didn't work out too well. So my mom, my mom and my sister, you know, they, they go off on the airplane. They're fine. But I am sick. And, I, you know, just try to imagine your head is exploding. You know, you're conge- you, you can't breathe, your throat's killing you, you're coughing up everything. Um, I've got an earache, I'm tired, uh, I'm, now I've got a, an eight-hour flight 
from Dublin to Atlanta. And I I have posted that it was the worst day of my life. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I made it somehow. Got off the airplane, and uh, you know, then I had a six-hour layover in Atlanta, which was a nightmare. Uh, on top of it, it was Especially it was a very Atlanta long airport. day. Yeah, that's like a little yeah. city. Yeah, with, I mean, I I can't even explain. I mean, I was a zombie walking through the airport. I can't process anything, and there's just massive humanity just kind of walking by me. I was like, I've never seen so many people. But I, uh, <clears throat> I was just trying to find a, a cup of soup somewhere, you know. <laughs> I stopped by this little kiosk, this woman selling electronic equipment, and I, and the, beside her is this guy. He is like 6'6", six, six, black guy, looked like he played basketball, with, you know, rings everywhere, tattoos everywhere. Pants hanging down, you know, everywhere. <laughs> Picture it. And I'm asking this woman about soup. <laughs> so he turns around and he he was so nice. He was like, okay, let me tell you where to go. Just go down there, and you know, because I'm standing there sweating, fever. Sick. He said, on this side, you can get that over there. And then the people over there, they have some really good soup. So just, you know... He was so kind. It like blew my stereotype completely out of the water. <laughs> so I did man I managed to get For all you black folks listening, uh now how she meant that, okay, so calm down. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I found I, I I told you that I ended up in my gate and found a found four chairs without arms. And so, so I just stretched out and slept. But anyways, I don't want to get it. But I really do appreciate all the prayers because, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, that's what kept me going. I knew people were praying, and I figured, I, you know, as sick as I was, I could be worse. And uh, praise God, I don't have cancer, you know. Right. I just yeah. really appreciated uh, that people cared, cared enough to take time out of their day to, to, to pray, so... Thank you. Well, um, I should have you know that uh, Mr. White, Ryan White, who filled in for a couple of weeks while you and I did an outstanding job. Uh, well, of course he, he did. <laughs> he actually dropped a bomb, and I've been kind of percolating on it for for as many weeks. But he he said that uh, all of the things that quote unquote Jesus did <clears throat> was not about walking through Jerusalem like a peacenik saying God's love and love this and love. But he was actually setting in place the implements of the covenant structure of the kingdom in Israel. In other words, he was doing things that set protocol. And I had never really thought about it that way, but just like, you know, what the Father's always been doing is reestablishing his kingdom here in the earth. The Messiah comes and he he does certain things that instill the plan to go forward. And I had never really thought about it like that. I always thought about it from a Greek Western theological mind. So that was really a good thing. And then he, he brought a couple of nuggets and it's just delightful, him and his bouncing ball and we had a <laughs> the off 
off the air, we had a great time talking with him. And then, you know, I thought, well, Dean is not going to be back. The last time I, the first show I did by myself, uh, <clears throat> you had no voice. The second show that I did, uh, you had a partial voice. And, and both shows did really well. Uh, in fact, while you were gone, our stats really didn't change that much. They fluctuated uh, a little bit. So our listeners kept right in there, and uh, which I was really happy about that. But <clears throat> before we run out of time, I, and I do want to mention, we are going to have Dr. Chris Green, who wrote the book God's Healing Code. Uh, he is going to be with us on the 19th of July. And... Uh, that's going to be a very special show. Uh, he's going to talk about his book and the information in his book. Dean, I know you have a copy of it. And uh, we're going to do a one-hour show on the 19th of July. So if you want to tie your, your health and medical understanding of how God did everything back to the scriptures, uh, we encourage you to join us on the 19th with Dr. Chris Green. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about his book. And Dina... You, um, I guess you started writing a little bit here in the last yeah, year or well, two. I missed an entire month. So, you know, I, had, I have a writing schedule, and I just lost a whole month. But um, as I spent my time on flat on my back, uh, you know, I, it wasn't a complete waste as I was uh, processing more. This, this thing about the kingdom and that, you know, Ryan shared is... I think it's essential. I mean, it breaks through all the barriers of denominations and theologies and theocracies and doctrines and dogmas and blah, 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 blah. Amen. Because blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it, we don't even understand the language that Yeshua used. I mean, he, he specifically spoke in parables and did things that were all related to garden-type language because he was preparing to take hold of the kingdom and lay its foundation. Um, and of course, the, one of the main things he did on the tree, on the cross, was that he, he had to defeat the enemies of this world. And we don't even get that. Like all the tyrants and the, the oppressors of this world, and those people understood that, going back to Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and, and of course present-day Rome, they understood about what enemies and tyrants do. And so for them, that, that being, being set free and establishing a new kingdom in which you are completely free, um, we don't really understand it. And we look at everything pretty much from the last, you know, 100 years. We've been fortunate to live in a country in which, we, you know, we, we have enough free time to be psychologically demented. <laughs> Or divided. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, no. So the, the kingdom. <laughs> I, Psychologically I really, demented. I, that's a blog article. If I yeah, no, that's good. Okay. Uh, so really, I'm really trying to take the book back to to really understanding what the kingdom is, what it was, you know, what happened when Adam and Eve uh, left that sacred space, but. Their, their work wasn't over. They're, they were still called to be priests and kings to work in the field. And how, does the, how is the overlay with the kingdom in the field? It still functions. I think we're so um, 
and I know that I am, I, I get so depressed by what we see going on on every level yeah, that I, I can't agree. even mm-hmm. grasp, yes, there is a kingdom, it is here, you are you are part of that covenant you have established, you know, you made that covenant with God, you are part of the kingdom, and those things apply in your life, even though you are surrounded by insanity, you are in the kingdom, and so the, the, I'm hoping the more we understand what it is and our purpose and function in it and to appreciate what it is and that we are walking in it, you know, maybe that'll help some. Well, it's like uh, last week, and I know we talked earlier, I did a show, and what I was trying to show, and several people contacted me, and they said they got it. They didn't quite see it that way. But we have, let, let's just say for the sake of it, and you and I are right there, so you and I are talking to our audience right now. Let's just say for the sake of the patterns that Adam was set apart, not pulled out of the dust. Let's say that he is not the first person, but the first high priest. Let's just look at that. Let's just look at it. For God's sakes, did anybody just die? Okay, so let's just look at it. If that's true, then it follows the pattern of being set apart pretty pretty specifically. Yeah. So, But what we've done is we've set him apart from apart. Yeah. In other words, we made him so unique that Nothing else applies to him, and yet God didn't change. And he called this man to a role. The problem here is we have Adam, the individual person, we have Adam, the archetype, and we have Adam, the representative of humanity. I mean, he fits all three at the same time. But we've really lost the sense of Adam, the individual, the person, the, the man who you know, try to imagine, you know, the guilt and shame of his actions and how did he deal with it and how often we all deal with guilt, we just ignore it. I mean, the the, the cry, the brokenness, the, the experience of losing a son and another son murdering him. So I'm trying to put in, like, life and emotion and, and realness to him, although I recognize he's also, you know, a human representative, but I think we've really lost that. Well, I agree because we look at Adam as like this robotic person who has no emotion, who has no feeling. He's just something taken out of the dirt, and he's wide-eyed looking at all of this amazing thing. supposed to be perfect. And then all of a sudden there's a naked woman that's yanked out of him, (laughs) and he says, wow, I'm going to call her mine and all of a sudden they hop in the sack and produce two kids that's kind of how we look at him we don't look at the 900 and some odd years that he lived in a world what was he doing what was he he was expanding the kingdom even though you know you know we call it the sin and fall or whatever whatever even though he broke covenant the whole point of he was still he had a vocation he was still called to do his work in the field and God allowed an altar to be the place in which the covenant could be reestablished and so the purposes of the animals and the the blood and all that was to reestablish the covenant but 
because it tells us that he was a limited engagement until one could come and totally defeat all the enemies of God. Yes, and of course we know that if, see, now that I'm so far down the road, away from a lot of the institution yep. of um, uh, religious teaching, and I can go back and just look at the practical, the practical deal is like, Cain, you killed your brother? What? What is that? What? What is murder? No, no. The consequence was huge, and Adam had to suffer through the yeah. reality of one of his sons dead, kicked yeah. out, separated from the temple. And I think Job does a very good job of telling all of us how bad it was to lose the presence of God. Yeah. Uh, or not necessarily the presence of God, because he never did, but to lose the benefit of walking with God. And now you see chaos and destruction and madness. But in essence, he, you know, Adam was to be filled with the presence of God, but he, he could not be filled with the presence of God because he broke the covenant. And so the goal has always been to be filled with the presence of God, but it really wasn't able to happen until Yeshua. The difference there is now we can be filled with his presence, that his presence has come out from behind the curtain, and it, we, we can be filled. But... You know, we talked a bit earlier in the show. I mean, we have a responsibility to protect this space, this sacred space that is our body, and not allow the enemy to come in and, and work its uh, and wreak havoc in our in ourselves. You were talking about gates. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I mentioned about the, the you know his one job. I mean, he had more than one job, but he was responsible to, to guard that gate into the into the garden which he did not. And so I think it's an excellent message for us that we have got to guard our gates, you know, our eyes, our ears, our heart, uh, our mouth, all of it. These are our gates into our sacred space. And no one else is going to do it for us. We well, have the responsibility to guard our own space. Dina and I were talking before the show, folks, about a woman who is in Canada and uh, who has a baby and she has not defined the sex of the child because she believes that when the child's old enough that the child can determine what sex it is, regardless of what's between his thighs or hips, if you will. Uh, and again, it goes to this lunacy, which is doing one thing consistently across the board, devaluing life and purpose. This is what's happening. It's like if ever there was an adversary to us, it is the defamation of life. And Dean and I were talking. The bottom line is, is that if we're the body, if we're the remnant, if we're the ones who are seeing the kingdom, that's our battle. That's what we have to fight. And we can't do it if we're just as broken, just as demoralized, just as depressed, just as beat up or beating each other up in the same way the world is destroying the very reason we're all here in the first place. Dina, you and I had a good conversation about that. If I'm not mistaken right, you use the word stupid. 
<laughs> well, you know, the point is the first the first commandment was to be fruitful and multiply and fill, you know, the space. And so everything goes back to that. You can't be fruitful and multiply unless you have male and female. So now we're, we have come to this place of pure and utter insanity in which we can't even Absolutely. call something male yep. and female. And the goal of the enemy, you know, has always been to destroy the image of God in this world. And so I, it's like the, the last frontier. Let's just destroy what it means to be male and female. And I just was saying, many of it, we don't even recognize what the heck is going on. Some of us are just too stupid to even see this is real. This is a real battle. This is like the last frontier. You you completely destroy the idea of male and female producing life. You you know the enemy totally wins. This planet is over. You know there is like no vestige of the kingdom being revealed when that's gone. So we got to fight like crazy. You know yes, to restore the image of God in this world, and that is part of our kingdom responsibility. And whatever form that takes, I don't even know. It's you know, people got to figure that one out. I think we have to really speak out against this because this is this is mental illness on steroids. There, I don't know what else to say about it. Dina, it it's, is, it's, I I've lived my whole life to see this, and this is the I've I couldn't even imagine for a moment a fight to allow men dressed up as women to go to the bathroom with my 12-year-old daughter. I, I just can't even imagine that, but we're out of time. Yeah, and we, right, and we just said, you know, wh where does this descend to? So the covenant people have got to cling to that covenant and be strong within that covenant and reveal the kingdom to those outside the and covenant. not live defeated right. or broken or Amen. causing division. Yeah, Folks, yeah. we're out of time. I'm uh, Dean and I are working on bringing her here to the Pacific Northwest come September. Uh, this would be a an event where she would be a speaker. There, I'm going to charge because uh, I'm not doing this the other way anymore because, trust me, I can't afford it. <laughs> But, uh, Dean, if, if we can work this out and get you back up here in the Pacific Northwest, Washington State, come September, I'm working on it, and I, you, you, I know you've agreed to do it. So uh, we'll keep talking about it, folks, and have okay. Dina Dye come back and teach us in person And for those of us okay. up here in the Pacific Northwest. So welcome back, my friend. It's good to have Thank you back. You. It's good to see yeah. you and talk Thank to you. you. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Folks, you've been listening to Returning to Eden. Dean and I will be back next week, and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit more about some stuff she's writing about in her book. So this is Jeff signing off. Shalom and goodbye. Dina? Shalom, shalom. Next we'll see week. you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. <laughs>